Uh, we turned six today. That's pretty cool, huh? Um, it feels like we are, yeah, we are stepping out of um, uh, kind of like early childhood into childhood. Um, well and truly learn how to walk. Um, and it's good fun. And, and you know, one of the things that uh, was really interesting uh, six years probably closer to seven years ago, when Beck and I were starting to talk about planting lift and, and, um, and people were having all sorts of conversations with us, there were like maybe three general responses that we got. We got some people that were really excited for us and they were like, hey, this is awesome. We want to cheer you on. We want to encourage you. you uh, we we want to do whatever we can to support you. And some of those people ended up being part of the team, which was fantastic. It was really cool. Um, and then there was another response. I, I don't know where what this was motivated by, but we had some people that maybe thought we were a little bit naive and thought that we needed to be told all the perils of leading a church. And so they're like, oh, you know, great, good and well that God has spoken to you. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be so hard. And I like, people are going to hurt you. They're going to betray you. And, you know, too bad God called. And I was, that's kind of like the response. I was like, hmm, not talking to you. Please don't join the team. And they didn't. And so that's good. They can stay in their uh, churches and serve, hopefully. Um, and then there was another response that people kind of, when like, they, they think about us and they think about our, what we are going to do, and, and it was like, it, it caused them to think about themselves. And so they would say like, oh, I could never do that. Oh, that's so brave. Oh, that's like, man, I don't have what it takes. And it was like, partly is all, you know, it's a bit like, we're talking about me here. You know, I'm talking to you about my... No, I wasn't. <laughs> but it was a bit like, nobody was asking you. <laughs> not in this moment, not at this time. Or maybe God did, and, and, and maybe you're running away. But it was kind of interesting having all of these different responses. And you were probably... And when you do something in your life and you talk to other people about this dream or this sense that God's calling you to do something, you'll probably have similar responses, won't you? You have those that are like, yes, come on, go for it. You have those that's like, hey... Do it, but be warned. And then there's those that kind of start to look at themselves and go like, you're doing this, but what am I doing? And it's kind of a weird way that us as humans think about what we do. And as we uh, talk about, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about stewardship. We've been talking about living a life that is stewarding what God has given to us. And I want to talk today about the life of a steward. The life of a steward, because when I look at these responses, I am kind of wondering how people understand the call on your life, and what does it mean to live it out. And, um, and, and before I do get any further, I do want to say that I've been given a bit of feedback that last week I might have been a bit harsh, so if you do listen to the podcast, and I wasn't calling you an idiot. <laughs> the people are laughing because they know me well enough. I get in a moment, right? I'm like... The power of the Holy Spirit falls upon me. And I, no, I just kind of get in the moment and I'm just flowing with the thoughts that's in my head. And I don't mean to offend anyone, that's not my point. Uh, but I wanted to just show a juxtaposition between someone that is coming to God wholeheartedly uh, and someone that is withholding. And, and there is a difference here. We're not just um, mindlessly following Christ, we, we actually get to enjoy following Christ. And, and so that's my apology done. Thank you for the feedback. I do appreciate it. 
And um, but today I want to talk about the life of a steward, and we're going to talk about the life of a. Come on, come on back, people. We're going to talk about the life of a steward, uh, looking at Matthew chapter 11, and I'm going to focus firstly on verse 28 to 30. It says, Jesus said, "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart." and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, when you, how many people have heard this verse before? Like you've been to church and you heard this verse, right? Where do you think, or, or maybe what's the context of this verse? What do you think? You know, I, I've got a couple of thoughts. Maybe Jesus is walking into a lower socioeconomic village and he sees these people and they're they're in manual labor that is hard work maybe they are a fisherman who who have to you know go out to the sea bring in all these fish clean them up get them ready for market and they're tired or maybe they're farmers you know they've been out all day in the farms they have been working hard to bring the crops in is hard yaka they are tired and jesus sees these people and he goes come to me all you who are weary and I'll give you rest. You know, that's one of those pictures that I get. Another picture that I get possibly is that Jesus quite often would send, send out his um, disciples um, to do mission work, if you will, and said so they would go out and maybe uh, as they come back and, and some of them, maybe they're a little bit disappointed or a little bit tired and just like, oh, Jesus, hard work. People didn't like me. You know, they weren't responding and, you know, I had to sleep out in the streets because no one would take me. In. I don't know what it was, but maybe it was hard, hard work. Bringing the gospel to places might not have been easy. And so Jesus looks at these disciples and he says, come to me, all you who are weary and I will give you rest. Anyone kind of resound with those pictures? It's like this hard work of life, right? Except that that's not what Matthew 11 is about. Actually isn't. And we misquote the scripture by relating it to how tired we feel. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it, it is um, misused. I mean, I do believe that God loves us. I do believe that God gives us rest. But we need to understand how to use this verse in its right context. You know, I, I remember <laughs> someone using uh, words out of context. Uh, I, I had this guy who was um, interning for me a, a while ago. And one day he calls me up and he says, um, Nate, I don't think I can intern tomorrow um, because I'm burnt out. And I was like, oh man, that's pretty bad. Um, can you just come in tomorrow? We won't do work, but I just want to see how you're going. And so he came in the next day anyway, and we sat down and we had a chat. And I was like, so, so bro, what's, what's happening? Why, why are you feeling burnt out? And he said, oh, well, I was in the garden all day yesterday. And I was you know, clearing out my garden. And I was like, uh? Yeah, so I was in the sun the whole day. And um, yeah, so I got burnt out. And I was like, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me, right? And I was like, that's totally not what burnout means. <laughs> and, and so sometimes we use things out of context and it actually is, it doesn't work. And so when we use this verse out of context, we're actually t stripping it of its meaning, and we've got to be really careful. So what is happening uh, when Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let me give you a snapshot of what's happening here. 
In Matthew chapter 11, please read it by yourself. I'll give you a quick uh, overview. Uh, But what happens at the start is that Jesus uh, is um, just teaching, and John the Baptist, who is his cousin, and John the Baptist, who also um, uh, was, I guess, part of Jesus' ministry in the sense that he was the one uh, that was preparing the way for Jesus. That was his mission. That was his call. And at that point in time, he was now in prison for following that call. He was calling people to repent, including... Um, the, the king of that day um, called Herod, and Herod wasn't very keen on what uh, uh, John the Baptist was saying, so he chucked him in jail. And, and John was possibly having this reflection moment. Maybe he knew that he was at the end of his life, and he was going like, how did, was I doing the right thing? And so he sends his disciples to Jesus and said, are you the one to come, or is there, or, sorry, are you the one that was prophesied to come, or is there one that's coming after you? Basically, he was saying, I prepared the way for you, but I don't know if I did it the right way. Were you the right guy? (laughs) John the Baptist was having a, a, a moment of crisis. And so Jesus tells uh, John's disciples, the lame walk, the blind see, you know, miracles are breaking out. The kingdom of heaven is here. Don't get discouraged when all this persecution happens because I am the one that, that, that was prophesied and I'm bringing the kingdom in. It might not be what you expect, but this is it. That, that's my paraphrase, by the way. If you read it, it doesn't sound like that at all. And so the disciples leave and go back to John. And then Jesus then uh, says, hey, guys. In all of history, there's no one as great as John the Baptist. <laughs> That's basically what he says. He compliments John without John knowing it, which is kind of strange. But it, I think a big part of that is that John stuck to his call and his mission. And so Jesus was like, this man, he stuck to the mission no matter what it cost him, including his death right now. That is a great person. That's what Jesus uh, was encouraging John about. And then he, he segues, right? Jesus then segues, and he then calls woe, like, yeah, this mourning, this sadness on a whole bunch of Israel's towns because he said, woe to you because if these signs and wonders and miracles that I have performed, that John has been preaching about, were performed outside of Israel, they would have repented and they would have received a kingdom. But you stubbornly didn't. Right? So this is what Jesus is saying. And then Jesus then goes on. Uh, uh, so he calls war on a whole bunch of towns. And then uh, uh, he, he then segues again, or at least it sounds like it segues in verse 25. Let me read it to you. It says, At that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and to those the Son chooses to reveal Him. And then, that's when we hit that key verse, so come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus wasn't talking to anyone who was physically struggling with labor. He wasn't talking to people who were uh, 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 maybe discouraged from ministry work. He wasn't talking to any of those. He was talking to, who was He talking to? What is going on here? And, and as I looked into this, a couple of thoughts came to mind. I just want to make one comment. It's not the focus, but it's a really interesting thought. Jesus, the Son of God, went around preaching and doing miracles and signs and wonders, right? 
and he goes to these towns and does these wonderful miracles, and they don't repent. Does that mean that Jesus wasn't a good steward of what God called him to do? No. You see, when we are good stewards, the results are not whether, uh, they don't show us necessarily whether we are good stewards or not. But yet in our modern day mindset, we are so result driven, we are so achievement driven, that we only think that we are doing God's work when there's fruit. And we call it fruit, right? You know, they, we're so Christian, we don't call it success, we call it fruit. Because fruit is healthier than success, apparently. So we have fruit. And we have fruit, which means that we are successful. Well, then Jesus wasn't fruitful, and Jesus wasn't successful, and he's a terrible steward. But we know that Jesus is the best steward that there can ever be. And so sometimes we've got to take a check and look at ourselves. The life of a steward doesn't mean constant, noticeable fruit. It's constant faithfulness. It's constant listening and obedience, but it doesn't necessarily mean the fruit that we want to see. I've seen so many people who are discouraged in what they are doing because they don't see the fruit. God hasn't come through for me. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I can't make it. You know, I think that some people that feel like they need to give others the naivety check, sometimes it's because they are so discouraged that their life hasn't worked out the way that they have planned. They haven't seen a fruit in their life and they go, well, if I can't do it, maybe I need to warn you, you young person. Maybe you're not going to have the fruit that you want to see. And yeah, it's true. But Jesus isn't measuring you according to your fruit as much as he's measuring you according to your fruitfulness, sorry, your faithfulness. And I think that's really important for us to know that as the life of a steward, sometimes there will be disappointment because you are following, you're right in there, you are listening to God and you're doing what He's called you to and you're not going to see the results that you want. But God has a bigger plan. God has a bigger purpose and that's why Jesus was praying and He says, I, I, I'm simply doing what God has revealed to me and sometimes God chooses to reveal Himself to people that don't look like they deserve it. Or they don't look like they're old enough to deserve it. They don't look like they're wise enough. They don't look like the normal people that God wants to reach. And I think that's what he was saying. With all of these towns, these are the Israelites. These people have been waiting for the Messiah for, for, for decades, millennia. They have been the ones that have been searching after for the Messiah, looking out for the Messiah. Yet when the Messiah was right in front of their face, they could not see him. And so Jesus realizes it's the Father that plans out how this is going to work. He understands our heart. And that's where I think what we need to really understand here about the whole burden thing. Because I think what Jesus was actually saying is that all of these towns, they were supposed to be prime for the gospel. But they didn't receive it because they were looking for a different kind of gospel. Remember, even John the Baptist, the one who had followed the call so well, so faithfully, he started to question, Jesus, are you the Messiah? Even John was questioning how much more all of these towns and all of these people, because they had been primed for a different kind of gospel. They had a different expectation. 
And when we look at the words, come to me all you who are burdened and weary, those words literally means a heavy load that you are fatigued by. Doesn't make a, like, yes, we, un, we know that, Nate. Thanks for the English lesson. Except that when Jesus used them, he quite often used it with the religious leaders, the, the religious teachers um, uh, teaching. In Matthew 24, he says, uh, he calls woe on the religious teachers and he says, woe to you, teachers of the law, who put a burden on people and do not lift a finger to help them. So when Jesus was talking about this burden and this weariness from people, he was talking about their expectations. He was talking about what they had been taught about what life is like. Do you know a Jewish person spends a lot of their early years learning what is called the Torah. If you have watched this TV series that is available, is crowdfunded, is called uh, The Chosen, you will see quite vividly that all of Jesus' disciples who were male in particular, because the females at that time, they weren't being given an education, but all of the male disciples for the first, uh, the educational years was all about learning God's Word. They, they memorized Scripture. They knew Scripture. And then on top of that, these religious leaders would then teach them how to interpret Scripture in their way. And that's something that Jesus addresses in his ministry. He says that, that, that um, you, you've completely lost the heart of the law and the prophets because you're making it more about man than about God and etc. and all that kind of stuff. And, and so when Jesus was talking to these people, he was saying to them, you have been formed by your culture, but you've not been informed by my Father. And I want you to start to think about what your expectations are about life. Where do those expectations come from? The culture and society that we live in plays a massive part in shaping how we see life. I grew up in Singapore and I always thought that I needed to achieve in order to belong. That was what it meant. If I get good grades, I will get awards and everyone will say, Nate, you're a good boy. That's how Singapore works. Maybe Australia is different. If you know how to hit a cricket ball with a bat, by the age of three, you're a star. You're a legend. Legend. You, know, like, you can walk by the age of three months. Wow, you are. I don't know if you hear that. I do not need to apologize for that one. Your parents, the, the, the family you grew up in, maybe they were all high achievers, all doctors, lawyers, whatever it, it is, and suddenly you felt that that achievement is so necessary. Maybe you grew up in poverty and then you decided that the, the, the one way that life is supposed to be is to have lots of money in the bank. Uh, what is your expectation? What has been placed on you? And then when you come to God and, 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 and the life that we're supposed to live in the light of what the gospel says, we bring all of those things in and we carry loads and burdens that we carry. And Jesus is speaking to such people. I am here to set you free, but I'm here to set you free from your expectations that are burdening and causing you to be wearied out. And so he says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. The word rest means to seize work. You know, one of the things that Jesus does for us is that he tells us what we don't need to work for. 
I think that's highly important. You know, Beck went to a women's conference yesterday. A whole bunch of girls went. And one of um, uh, the veteran pastors, who I know uh, personally quite well, uh, she talked about her journey. She was one of the first uh, uh, female pastors uh, in our state. And uh, she's on the state executive, the first female state executive member. And she was talking about her experiences. And she, she spoke about the first time that she spoke on stage uh, um, at an at a ACC uh, um, a setting. And she was just closing off uh, the meeting. And she thought that she did terribly. She ran off into the women's bathroom and she had to cry. And then another person came in and said, uh, a close friend of hers, and said, you know, when a guy makes a mistake, they laugh it off and they move on. Why is it that girls cry and wish that they could have their time back again? Why is there this massive difference? And really encourage her to see, hang on, what is life all about? What am I doing? Why do we place burdens on ourselves? And I love that for Beck, that was a great encouragement for her to say, hang on, I need to learn how to laugh some stuff off. And I think that's what Jesus does for us. Sometimes he comes to us and goes, who burdened you with that? Yeah, Drop good. that load, seize, yeah. stop. Because I'm here to give you rest. Amen. Amen. That burden is too much for you to bear. Yeah. Your expectation about what family is supposed to look like, your expectation about what life is supposed to look like, if it is not aligned with God's design for you, it is a burden it is wearisome, and it will bring you down. And we need to, as lives of stewards, actually learn that stewardship under God is learning how to drop certain things. It's seizing certain things. I don't need that in my life. There's some things that our culture tells us is how you should be. I'm terrible at social interactions. Drop that burden. God created you. I need to be a perfectionist. Drop that burden. You don't need to carry that. I need everyone to love me all the time. Drop that burden. Ain't nobody got to do that. Even Jesus had people hating him. And if people hated Jesus, people will hate you. I'm not apologizing for that. <laughs> we need to realize that what Jesus was saying here is not that you're tired out from serving God. It's the fact that you're tired out serving some expectations that Jesus had never placed on you. But notice this, that Jesus goes on and says, take my yoke upon you. <laughs> Jesus doesn't say, seize work, full stop. You know, there's some people that, um, oh, the yoke is so easy because you're not doing anything. You can't be burdened and wearied out if you're not doing anything. But the fact of the steward's life is that we stop doing some stuff and we start and we live out certain things. We live out Jesus' yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. See, one of the things about expectations is that sometimes we got to reflect and learn what those expectations are. When I was a younger pastor, I did think that the larger the church I was leading, the more it reflected on me as a pastor. I am a pastor of 20 people. Well, you know what? I'm a pastor of 50 people. I'm a pastor of 100 people. I am the general. What's that all about? I had to release that. I had to learn, hang on, God, what does it mean to lead your church? What does it mean to steward your church? 
What does it mean to be the pastor of Lift Church? This church, what is it that you put in the design and the DNA of this church? It doesn't matter what that other church down the road is doing. It doesn't matter how successful that other church looks like. Our success is based on God's design for this house. And I have needed over the last six years to learn from Jesus and to lean into, hang on, what is this yoke all about, Jesus? You asked me to carry this. And in that process, sometimes I had to let certain things go. That's not part of it. Stop loading yourself up, Nate. That's not what Jesus is calling you to carry. But this is what it is. I've had to learn to take on things that I didn't want to take on because I didn't think that they were successful. And I had to drop certain things that I thought was all about success or would lead us to success when Jesus is like, no, that's a burden that you don't need to carry. So he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart. What does that mean? Jesus is saying that I'm not imposing on you. I'm walking humbly beside you. Have you ever thought that Jesus would walk humbly beside you? As you are stewarding the life that he's calling you to lead, is the picture in your mind like, oh, I have to surrender to you, Jesus, because you are Lord and oh, my Lord, oh... And Jesus is like, maybe he's right next to you. Yeah, yeah, I know I'm Lord, and I'm here to walk with you, to journey with you, and to walk beside you. Yes, I'm giving you direction, but this direction is not meant to wear you out. It's meant to lift you up. How wonderful is that? And that's how he says, and you will find rest for you. That's an oxymoron, Jesus. Take on my burden and you will find rest. That doesn't sell, Jesus. The seizing thing, yeah, that does. It really helps. But taking on Jesus' burden and you will find rest. You know, that's one of the things that I found, that sometimes we think that doing Jesus' work is going to tire us out. I think that's why so many people, they look at me and they go, I could never do what you do. Because they're so scared that they're not going to have enough resources. The truth is, I couldn't do any other vocation. I couldn't. I couldn't be a lawyer. That would burden me out. I couldn't be an engineer. I couldn't be a doctor. I couldn't be a nurse. I couldn't, like, I studied psychology and counseling. I couldn't do that job. That would burden and weary weary me out. I do what I do because this is the best fit for me. And it's, 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 it is in doing this job well with the expectations that Jesus has given me that I'm finding rest. I, I love this job. I, I am excited to do Yes, there are moments where it's hard for sure. But I love doing this job. And most days I am energized doing this job. In fact, I find parenting far harder than pastoring a church. All the parents say amen. And I couldn't be a mum. Even if I tried my best. Being a mum is not my job. And that would weary and burden me out. I stick to my lane, the lane that God has given to me, and I flourish in it. Let me just bring you one more verse, and we're going to finish really soon. 
In Ecclesiastes 5 verse 1, it says this, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. The word fools here, uh, it doesn't mean idiot. It means that your compass in life is set away from God. And notice that both the fool and the other person is both going to the house of God. We can go to the house of God and still be fools. We can go to God's presence and still be wanting to do something else other than what God says. And notice that it is those that have that kind of compass in their heart that is trying to show off their sacrifices. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I've done. And the Bible tells us they don't know that they do wrong. Do you know that you can be so burdened doing things that the church does and still be doing wrong? So what are we supposed to do? Well, guard your steps when you go to the house of the Lord. Go near to listen. To listen. See, the life of a steward means that we always check our expectations. What, is, what am I carrying? There are some people that are so stressed out in life that they can't go on. I've seen a great tragedy in our culture where primary school students and lower upper school students are so stressed out about their studies because they have taken on expectations and burdens that they might not be ready to carry yet. They think that they need to achieve certain grades. If not, their life is going to crumble apart. I have heard of parents that have told kids, if you don't get your grades now, your life will never amount to anything. They're an eight-year-old. Maybe 12, maybe 15. And we live in Australia, where there has so many routes to go to. Yes, there's a need for discipline. Yes, there's a need for growth. Yes, there's a need for maturity. But what expectation are you putting? And is that expectation godly? Just because the standard is higher than where you're at doesn't mean it's godly. Can I please say that again? Because some people have thought that God always demands more from you. So if there's a demand for more, it must be from God. No. Sometimes the demand for more is not from God. Notice what the Israelites were doing. They were living according to all of these laws, and on top of that, laws that protect the laws. And God was saying, Jesus was saying, get rid of all of that, come to me, and cease working from those expectations. What expectations are you meant to be living out of? And I want to ask you, have you been listening? Have you taken a moment to quiet your heart, whether in this house, or any time that you are in God's presence, any time during the week and go, God, what am I meant to carry today? Because guess what? The life of a steward, a good steward, is daily asking, God, what am I meant to carry today? Sometimes we've got to watch our task lists and all the things that we think we need to do and accomplish by today and go, God, what are you asking me to carry today?
Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take on my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble, and you will find rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Church, as we move on from this season into the next, I'm believing for more, more opportunities, more doors to open up, more people to care for, more stories to hear, more brokenness to heal from, more ministries to start. But that shouldn't weary us out if we're doing it with God. That should excite you and actually give you a rest in your soul. And that's why I'm big about this. Not because I think that you're not doing enough with your life, but because I think that if God has been speaking to you about something, you cannot find life apart from what He has given to you. You can run like Jonah did in the other direction and you will only find death. But the moment you come back to God, that's when you will find life. So if I can get the band up this morning. I don't know where you are at. I don't know what's been going on in your life. But we're going to do communion together. Because I thought that it's our birthday and I want to have this moment of like celebrating with Jesus. So the host team can also get ready. But in this moment, can I ask you just to listen? To go, God, what burden do you want me to carry? For many of you, it might just simply be, keep doing what you're doing. You will continue to learn, you will continue to grow in it, and that'll be great. For some of you, it's that dream inside of your heart that you keep pushing away for some reason. Maybe you felt you're not ready. Maybe you felt that you're not trained enough or not good enough, whatever it is, but you've been putting it away. For some of you, you actually need to put aside some expectations in this moment because it's been wearing you down, it's been burdening you, and it's been causing you to become dry. Ask God about what you're meant to be carrying in all the different facets of your life. As a parent, as a spouse, as a student, as an employee, as an employer, as a son, as a daughter. Allow God to speak into every facet of your life and to take on His yoke. What about your relationship with Him? Oh, this is really important. Some of you have expectations about how you can enter into God's presence. And some of those expectations aren't right. And in this moment, Jesus is saying, cease. Stop it. I didn't ask for that. I didn't ask for that sacrifice. I didn't ask for that burden. And instead, he's saying, take this on instead. This is how you approach me.
And so Jesus, we thank you that you've broken your body, you've shed your blood, you've invited us into life with you. And I pray that in this moment that we hear your voice. I pray that in this moment that we have ears to listen. I pray that you speak to us. I pray that those that have been burdened and wearied by life and by things that have happened, I pray, God, that you bring release, you bring freedom, you bring rest. God, I pray for those who are needing to be stirred up once again according to what you have designed them to accomplish and to do. I pray that there will be a stirring up in our spirit as we take communion with you. We cannot help but be stirred up by your vision for this world. We cannot help but be stirred up for your kingdom, God. And I pray to God that it would be a burning vision. I pray that you bring the right people alongside them. I pray to God that you bring advisors, you bring wisdom, you bring strength. I pray to God that you will find, uh, that they will find rest in you as they pursue what you have placed in their heart. We thank you, God, that you have designed us to rest while yoked with you. We thank you, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Live Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.